When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Marnie Vinge, and this is Irioki. Join me and my friends as we explore the darker side of the Sooner State. I'm Marnie Vinge, and this is Irioki, and I'm here today with Marissa Mohi. Hey, everybody. Yes, she's back, and uh, you've been podcasting. I have so, been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to say that I think podcasting is really difficult, uh, especially when you're, like, responsible for it. So, like, coming out of this show, super nice. You've done the work, and I don't have to do anything, and I really <laughs> appreciate that about this podcast. <laughs> I totally know where you're coming from. But yeah, so um, I'm on the Lost Ogle podcast, and uh, I will say I probably don't do as much research as I should, um, but that's kind of our shtick. Like, we just kind of go in blind and start talking about stuff. I think the thing is, though, that it's me and Patrick playing off of each other. Um, I mean, you know that because Mm -hmm. you were there. We did an episode with you. Um, But I think the problem is that, like, I'm really bad at improv, and so he'll say something, like, off the cuff, and I'll be like, yes. And then just like wait for him to continue the joke because I don't know what oh, to do. Oh God, I no, I complete. I can completely understand that because I'm really bad at that too. I don't. I don't like not being prepared, and I know exactly what you mean because it's super fun when I go on like Jay's podcast or mm-hmm. like when I was on your podcast. Like mm-hmm. I'm just like I'm just here. Like yeah. I, you, you guys are in charge. This is not my responsibility. Yeah. You guys <laughs> just hand me a beer and I'm gonna chat. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's exactly right. So, um, and Marissa's been up to a few things. She actually. Uh, just put out a 90-day novel planner on Amazon, which I was super excited that she did because, number one, I love writing. Number two, I love planners. Mm-hmm. And when those two things combine, that's like magic. Yeah, it's like, that's like the soft spot in my heart right oh, there. Yeah. The rest yes. of it's just like black stone, but yeah. that right there. Oh, that's... yeah, gets me every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, we'll talk about that some more later. But anyway, uh, Marissa suggested this topic, and some other people have asked me about doing an episode about this, and I finally was just like, okay, I'll do it. And uh, so... <laughs> Uh, anyway, no, really, I was excited to do it. But Marissa suggested it, and we're going to be doing Fort Reno. So, yeah. Yeah. Buckle up. There is a ton of history here. There's a lot, and there's a lot of weird stuff, and it's something that you can actually go tour pretty easily. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. I meant to get the uh, times of the stuff like that. So, remind me at the end. And if I don't get it, somebody message me and remind me to post those because I don't think I put it in the outline, but they have them on the website. So, um, Fort Reno is located in El Reno. Mm-hmm. Shocking. Um, so, uh, anyway, the visitor center is located at 7107 West Cheyenne Street in El Reno. And for those of you who don't know, which I think is not anybody, everybody knows this, but El Reno is located 25 miles west of Oklahoma City off of I-40, and it's the county seat of Canadian County, which I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Um, it's a pretty important town. Yes. Uh, <laughs> do you know what the population is? No. Take a guess. Um, 10,000. Close. It's 16,000. Really? 16.7. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, I know that they had a Halliburton plant there that closed on December 1st and laid off 808 people right before Christmas. Oh, God. That's yeah. awful. <laughs> yeah. That's so. terrible. Jeez. Shout out to El Reno. Yeah. Sending no you love from the metro. <laughs> yeah. And they also, they had that bad tornado back in May that was, uh, that hit the mobile home or yeah. the motel. Yeah. Yeah. That was, oh God. And I found this out on the Wikipedia page. I didn't know this, but in the May 31st, 2013 tornado, several storm chasers actually died out there. I did not know that. Yeah. I didn't know that either. And that really, really surprised me because I don't remember hearing that. But then again, like a lot was going on and I don't have super clear memories of all that, but, but yeah, so that, that arena is, it's a great place. Um, seen a lot of tornado stuff. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, let's get into the history of this place. So also El Reno has a lot of onion burgers. Yes, Yes, they do. (laughs) So you can go tour the fort and eat an onion burger. It sounds like a great day. Great day. Yeah. It does sound like a great day. That's actually what we should be doing right now. Let's do it. I'm I'm ready. Okay. Bye guys. (laughs) Okay. So our primary source for this information is going to be the historic Fort Reno website, which you can find at www.fortreno.org. And so according to the site, Fort Reno was established as a military camp in 1874, which when I was writing the outline, I put 1847 and then I got really confused later because I was like, wow, that's really like (laughs) these dates are not matching up. So uh, something important to know about this time period, though, is that the Indian Removal Act was signed into law in 1830. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like the backdrop for a lot of this. Um, Basically, the Indian Removal Act, if you don't know... um, This act allowed Andrew Jackson, president at the time and later Martin Van Buren, to, quote, negotiate with southern Native American tribes for their removal to federal territory west of the Mississippi River in exchange for white settlement of their ancestral lands. Basically, it was a law that allowed genocide, Mm -hmm. pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And it's considered that um, because it basically ensured the death of vast numbers of a specific ethnic group. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it led to the very, very famous Trail of Tears. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Cherokee worked really, really hard to stop that, like to keep that from happening. But unfortunately, they were ultimately unsuccessful. And everybody, that's a very, very dark, dark part mm-hmm. of our history. I think like... Just to kind of give it some context, though, I think a lot of people um, here in Oklahoma, especially, like, have some sort of Native American heritage, mm-hmm. but you feel zero connection to yes, it. And yes. that was part of this law. So, like, they, this law was passed, um, lots of people were killed, and then from there, like you were basically forced to forget any sort of heritage. And, you know, like a lot of the um, surveyors of land, like would determine whether or not a tribe was a tribe based on how many people spoke the language. Well, if you've been like taking kids and putting them in boarding school so they can't learn the language. Oh my God. It was basically just a way to start stripping people of, you know, a culture and of ethnicity and things like that. And so, um, yeah, I I think that that's always something like we always think about it in those terms of like, Oh, so the trail of tears, but like also just kind of think of it now. Like it's Mm -hmm. really weird when you think about, like I do have these ancestors, but I don't know anything. And that's kind of by design. Yeah. That's like, um, we were just over Christmas talking about how, um, there's a picture of my mom. I believe it's my mom's great or great, great grandmother, or great-great-grandfather, I'm sorry. Um, and in the picture, he has, like, full braids. He looks like he's full-blooded Indian, all this stuff. And we have no, like, any way to trace who or any... Like, it's very weird because we our family has tried multiple times to, like, track down that mm-hmm. information, and all we have is that picture. Mm-hmm. And so it's very hard to, like, get any of that because it, it has been... It's, like, whitewashed and just... Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is... Oh, my God. That just... That makes me really mad. 
Um, so because of that, this time period had a lot of conflicts mm-hmm. referred to as the Indian Wars. And that was basically like just fighting about this situation pretty much. Like yeah. to very basically simplify it for purposes of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that, Fort Reno was established, quote, at the insistence of Agent John Miles at the Darlington Indian Agency to pacify and protect the Cheyennes and Arapahoes there. So it was kind of like a bunch of stuff was going on. So he's like, we need to establish this to do whatever it is that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there there was so much intricate history in all of this. So um, Buffalo soldiers of the 10th Cavalry were dispatched to um, Fort Reno, but they ultimately ended up being sent to Anadarko because something similar was going mm-hmm. on there. And I guess they were more needed there or something. Man, Anadarko has always been trouble. Oh. No offense to anybody who yeah. lives in Anadarko and is yeah. listening, but like... I just hear stories. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what you're, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, so, uh, anyway, I didn't know this, but like I had heard the term Buffalo soldiers and I did not know it, that it was a term that was given to them by the native Americans because Mm -hmm. the Buffalo soldiers were black and, um, the native, there's some disagreement among scholars as to where the term actually comes from because there are quotes from some native leaders that said that it had to do with the African-American soldier's hair texture. Mm-hmm. And the others say that it was because they wore buffalo pelts. And so whatever, I didn't know that there was all of this like, just, I don't know. It's really, there's a lot of rich history here. Mm-hmm. Like it's very. I'll be real. I learned the history of Buffalo soldiers from the song that Will Smith did for the Wild Wild West movie because he says, there's a line in there, it's like, Buffalo soldier. No, look, it's like I told Joe. Oh my God. You know, (laughs) I totally (laughs) thought of the Bob Marley song. Oh yeah. That makes more sense. (laughs) Yeah. I totally thought of that. Yeah. And I think that, um, and apparently like the term became common for all U S army regiments that can trace their direct lineage back to any of the African American regiments formed in 1866, according to Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes they still like honor that name and stuff. I don't know a lot about the army. Like, so, Mm -hmm. so I'm probably, I might be wrong. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so the fort was permanently named Fort Reno in February of 1876 by general Phil Sheridan quote, in honor of his dear friend, major general Jesse L Reno, a Virginian who was killed in the civil war in 1863 at the battle of South mountain in Maryland. That's a mouthful. (laughs) Um, so that's according to the historical Fort Reno website. Um, So anyway, the Buffalo Soldiers, Cheyenne and Arapaho Indian Scouts, and U.S. Marshal Service helped to keep the peace in the area, and they played this played a significant role um, until around the turn of the century. That's kind of what was going on at Fort Reno. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was not aware of this, uh, but at one time there was something called the Beef Issue. Have you heard of this? No, but uh, that would be a great name for like a band. It would. It would. It would. Maybe just a record. Who knows? Yeah, it would. (laughs) Uh, So basically, that um, entailed issuing the tribe's live longhorn cattle to chase and shoot like buffalo. Oh. Because I guess this was during the time when like the buffalo were being decimated and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So I had no idea idea about that. And the longhorns were actually herded up the Chisholm Trail. Really? Yes. So lots of facts, lots of history. I'm telling you guys, there's so much. There's like so many Oklahoma history buzzwords so far in this podcast. Oh, I know. You you guys should start taking shots every time we say one. Yes. Yeah. Just take a shot when we say (laughs) when. I don't care if it's 5 a.m. on Friday morning. Yeah. When you're listening. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You have to. We told you. You just have to. Yeah. Show up at work drunk. Just say that we told you 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 could. Like, (laughs) no, don't do that. (laughs) There are no consequences. It's fine. Exactly. Yeah. No consequences. Um, Okay. So General Phil Sheridan, I mentioned him earlier, and he was ordered to go to Fort Reno by President Cleveland. Um, And when Sheridan got there, 
he determined that one of the agents that was there had not been aggressive enough in attempting to disarm, dismount, and put Indians onto farms nearby. So he was like, I'm going to be tougher, blah, blah, blah. So according to the historic Fort Reno website, General Sheridan recommended to President Cleveland that all leases be terminated in Indian territory and that unauthorized persons be removed from Indian land and that the military personnel replace the civilians at the Cheyenne or Arapahoe Agency. Sheridan spent time at Fort Reno during the early years and a log cabin structure known as Sheridan's Headquarters or Billet is now located on the Canadian County Historical Museum grounds in El Reno. Hmm. Yes. Interesting. So, yeah, I know. It, oh, gosh, it's it's crazy. Like, I had never looked into any of this stuff. And um, Sheridan had a favorite scout named Ben Clark. Um, so he was a cavalry scout, and he led a turkey hunt that General Sheridan organized for himself and five other generals. <laughs> turkey hunt. So <laughs> I was actually watching um, Downton Abbey, because mm-hmm. I have not ever seen it. I was. Oh, my God. I just started it. So that scene where they're doing the fox hunt, mm-hmm. like, that blew my mind, because I was like, this is so far removed from my idea of what hunting is. Right. It's just these people in like fancy clothes on horses with a bunch of beagles mm-hmm. just like chasing something. Yeah. And I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> this is literally crazy. I think like when we think of hunting, we think of somebody wearing like real tree camo sitting in like a deer blind or mm-hmm. something and just staying in there for hours and yeah. maybe shooting something, oh, yeah, 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 but yeah, maybe yeah. not. Yeah, exactly. And also spraying yourself with like deer pee. Yeah. Like that's part of it. All I know about Ugh. hunting, I learned from Doug Dynasty. Like that's, <laughs> I think that's all you need to know. I mean that, like, yeah, if you're not going to get into it, like. Right. Yeah. I'm, to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get You don't want to be able to like field dress a deer. Or no, <laughs> no. I know. I mean, I, I don't. I could do that part of it. I think mm-hmm. I could do that part much more easily than, like, the handling of the gun and the shooting of the animal. See, I think that that would be the hard part, just because it would be, like, heavy and irritating. Yeah. So, you know, like, when you have more than three dishes to wash, like, then, the, yeah. then it becomes a terrible chore. So, I feel like this a deer is, like, the equivalent of three dishes, and I just can't handle it. Yeah. Which I understand is a very low threshold for chores, and most people listening to this are probably like, what the hell? <laughs> I will live in squalor. I do not care. Same. Same. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's so funny. I have a problem. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what a turkey hunt is like, but they went on a turkey hunt with the five other generals. So I'm guessing it was probably not like the Downton Abbey hunt. Mm-hmm. Like, probably not. Man, wild turkeys, though, they, they seem like... I mean, I've never gone wild turkey hunting. So, you know, like, if you hear this and you're like, uh, what does she know? Uh, they're just in my parents' yard all the time. Mm-hmm. And they seem, like, pretty easy to get. Yeah. but <laughs> it's, like, it's like on Impractical Jokers when they're at the mall and Murr is... Like, by the fountain, and he's like, oh, there are fish in here. And they're like, do you think that you could, like, spear a fish? And he's like, oh, yeah, these are mall fish. Like, I could definitely get one of these. And I'm like, so, yeah, your parents' yard turkeys, I think we could take them. Yeah, for real. I think we could take one down. Yeah. So, Ben Clark, this turkey scout, or cavalry scout, who, you know, um, he was assigned to Custer at one point. And he is said to have defied him twice, which is kind of a big deal because Custer was kind of mean. So he defied him twice, like once, quote, complaining that troops and Osage scouts were shooting at women and children. And and the other time he advocated an exit plan when the campaign was threatened by warriors from other camps. Hmm. So anyway, he came to Fort Reno in January of 1878. Um, He was a post interpreter to the Cheyennes and he earned, guess what his salary was per month? $18. $18. 100 Oh, wow. Yeah, 100 Damn. Which I'm guessing was pretty good. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Um, and he actually married into the Cheyenne tribe, and he is buried in the Post Cemetery along with his wife, 
Um, I believe you say her name, Mokay, and five of the 11 children that they had. 11 oh, wow. children. No, thank you. Oh, my God. That's before epidurals. That, yeah. That's, I mean, like, that's like taking your life into your own hands 11 times, <laughs> like, before <laughs> modern medicine. Oh, uh, no, thank you. God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Also, you can tell they had 11 children because this was before TV, because, right. like, now that there is TV, like, you've got stuff to do at night. You don't. Yeah. You, you don't need to be making babies. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like, uh, I have a friend who, he has a lot of family in Florida. And when the last hurricane happened in Florida, he was like, um, and they lost power and everything. He mm-hmm. was like, you guys in Florida, you need to, you need to use your heads. Cause mm-hmm. I don't have enough money to, to go to nine baby showers in nine months. <laughs> it's so true though. <laughs> yeah, it is true. I always wonder how many babies were conceived during the ice storm of 2007. Oh. Probably a lot. I would bet. I mean, like those kids would be in like fifth or sixth grade mm-hmm. right now. So yeah. like all with a birthday of like. What would that be? Like December to eight. What's the eighth month? <laughs> Is it August? Uh, yes. Yes, August. Okay. <laughs> so they'd be born in August of 2008. Yeah. How many babies were born in Oklahoma in August of 2008? Somebody tell me. <laughs> okay. So um, Cheyenne and Arapaho history at Fort Reno. So I took a lot of this directly from the Fort Reno historic website. So in 1874, 32 Cheyenne and Arapaho men and one woman were arrested for their alleged role in the 1874 uprisings and were taken as prisoners to Fort Marion, Florida. Um, later, the prisoners returned and served as Indian scouts at Fort Reno. This is just, like, very sad, dark history, mm-hmm. Native history. Like, So, uh, the Battle of Sand Hill in April of 1875 uh, took place two miles north of Fort Reno and was the only ma- military battle near the fort. I've never heard of it. Never heard of it in school, anything like that. So, um, soldiers were trying to shackle a prisoner named Black Horse, and this is a direct quote from the website. So, he was being uh, chided by the Cheyenne women, so he kicked loose from his captors and broke and ran toward the village. The soldiers gave chase, then shot and killed him, but some of their bullets went through the lodges. The wary Cheyennes, believing they were under attack, raced to nearby sandy hills and dug up their cached weapons and occupied rifle pits they had excavated. The soldiers responded in force. A pitched battle ensued, including a repulsed cavalry charge, and the fort's Gatling gun was brought into the battle. Oh, my God. Yeah. The Cheyennes escaped at dark. Before it ended, one enlisted man, Clark Young, a Buffalo soldier, one civilian, and one Indian scout died as a result of Sand Hill and are buried in the historic cemetery located three-fourths of a mile west of the Fort Reno Visitor Center. So that's very tragic. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, and 19 soldiers were wounded, six Cheyenne warriors, and one woman were killed. So, yeah, very, very sad. But the most dramatic single event of the early fort was the heroic attempted escape to freedom by nearly 300 northern Cheyennes in 1878, also directly from the website. After the Custer Massacre in Montana in 1876, 937 Cheyennes had been rounded up and forcibly removed to the Darlington Agency by Lieutenant Henry Lawton, 17 troopers, Scout Ben Clark, and 20 civilians. A group of those Cheyennes, led by Dull Knife, Little Wolf, and Wild Hog, fled for their northern home in September 1878. They were pursued by Fort Reno 4th Cavalry and encountered on September 13th near Turkey Springs or Red Hills near present-day Freedom, Oklahoma. The resulting battle took several lives, including Private Stroud, Private Modinger, Corporal Lynch, and Arapaho Scout Chalk, who were buried at the Post Cemetery. A blacksmith named Burton was also killed. So lots of death. 
Yeah. Lots of death surrounding this place, which um, this is the last little bit of history that we're going to get into before we get into some fun facts about the fort and then some haunted history. <laughs> so this is something I did not know. Did you know it was a POW camp? Yes, I did. That is crazy. Because goes into one of my stories. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. And it was during World War II, and it was 94 acres of an eastern portion of the lands um, and it was mainly German and Italian prisoners. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my God. So, like, over 1,300 Germans were brought to Fort Reno. And it's just crazy to me that that, like, was a thing. That's just... That's bizarre to me because I have been there. And, mm-hmm. like, so, you know, I mean, most people haven't gone on a ton of military bases because you can't just, like, walk on right. and, you know, see the yeah. sites. But when you drive by one, like, it looks very industrial, like mm-hmm. a very useful sort of place where there's lots to be done. But the thing about Fort Reno is it's so old, like 1874. So there's, you know, it's significantly smaller in size, especially since, you know, like, once, you know, the, the turn of the century happened, it wasn't like Fort Reno was... Um, as necessary as it used right. to be. Yeah. And so it's just, it's like a super small place with super old buildings. Like it smells old when you're mm-hmm. there, you know, like that. Ooh, there are things that have been here before sort of scent. Yeah. And then it just, everything is so tiny, but you said it was like 1300. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people. And that's just Germans. So there were a little bit more Italians that yeah. were with them. So probably like 1500 or something like, cause it says a few uh, Italians, which that's- I think is a weird like way to describe it. But yeah, yeah, that's really bizarre in that there were so many POWs there and that now the chapel there is used as a site for weddings. Like, right. That's bizarre. Yes. <laughs> you can get married there. You can. So um, some fun facts about Fort Reno. Um, Amelia Earhart um, flew her, I'm going to butcher this word, Auto Giro. It's the forerunner to the helicopter. Oh, interesting. She uh, flew that at the Fort Reno airstrip in 1931. Intriguing. Yes. So that's like a little bit of famous history. Also, Will Rogers visited the fort frequently mm-hmm. because apparently, and this will go into one of the ghost stories that we're going to tell, there were a lot of polo matches and horse races there. That was a very popular thing to see there. That's really bizarre about polo. That mm-hmm. is not something that I would think anybody in Oklahoma would know anything about. Like. Right. Yeah. It is kind of weird. Um, and then this is my favorite. Um, Blackjack, the spirited, riderless, ceremonial horse used in the funeral processions of Presidents Hoover, Kennedy, and Johnson, and General MacArthur. He was raised and trained at Fort Reno before being sent to Fort Myer, Virginia, joining the Kassam unit, assisting in, assisting in burying more than 1,000 Korean and Vietnam soldiers killed in combat. And he actually died on my birthday. That's bizarre. Yes, he died on February 6th. Sometime in the 70s, I believe. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. So I didn't know that there was such a thing as a riderless ceremonial horse. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I know nothing about the military. The more you say it, the more I'm like, is it just a Thestral? Because I read Harry Potter and that's what I I assume it is. I wish he was. (laughs) Yeah, I wish he was. Um, So yeah, so now we're going to get into the haunted history. So um, there's a pretty good article on the Oklahoma Gazette website about some of the hauntings at Fort Reno. Mm -hmm. So at the time the article was written, um, the owner, Sarah Overholzer, reported that there's apparently a spirit that likes to kind of imitate her voice. Intriguing. Yes. So she was actually in Texas one day um, doing something, and one of her volunteers 
thought they heard her upstairs. Mm -hmm. And so they, I mean, they were like, okay, what does she want? You know, go looking. They can't find her or whatever. And then they called her. And they were like, hey, I heard you. I can't find you, whatever. And she was like, I'm in Texas. Mm -hmm. They were like, but I just heard your voice. Like, this is really kind of freaky. So that happens. Um, And there's also apparently a spirit in the U.S. Cavalry Museum in the upstairs portion um, that sounds like someone with tuberculosis coughing. Oh. Yeah, that's kind of spooky. I think that I heard that story when I went there because the the Cavalry Museum, I think, is like the place where you start the tour. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, gosh. Interesting. That's like, oh, tuberculosis cough. Makes me think of Doc Holliday. But wait, you mentioned her name was Sarah Overholzer. Mm -hmm. Is she related to the Overholzers of the Overholzer Mansion, which is also haunted? She's got to be. Yeah. Like, there's, that's such an uncommon name. Yeah, but it's like the Oklahoma oligarch. Like Exactly. Yeah. yeah, It's, she's got to be. I, I think, I would think so. That was my assumption when yeah. I read the article. Yeah. I was like, she's Well, I mean, be. she owns the fort, yeah, probably. Yeah, like, probably, yeah. Anyway, to side so, note, we need to do an Overholster Mansion show. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, so, there is a report of a child ghost, a little girl. Did they talk about that during the tour? I don't think so. I don't remember that. But I think I would have, like, locked in on that because kid ghosts are the scariest ghosts. They are. They're very creepy. Um So there's a report of this little girl being seen in the windows of the Victorian home that's on the fort. Mm -hmm. Um, People see her in the windows and stuff. And there are stories about a little girl named Emily Ann who was apparently murdered and buried under the house. But that has never been proven. Even even so, people still report that they see this spirit. Mm -hmm. Whatever. So um, and then uh, I watched a video on YouTube um, by an author named Mike Ricksecker. And he does Haunted Road Media with Friday Night Ghost Frights. Um, So he does, like, these cool videos on YouTube and stuff like that. And he told some stories that I did not find anywhere else. Um, So did they tell you about Major Eli Conat? Is he the one that's angry and yelling all the time? I don't know if he's angry. He didn't say anything about that. But, so this guy, um, he served there in the 30s, and he committed suicide after his wife left him. Mm -hmm. So... He was originally from Kansas, and he went to Washington, D.C. for something, and there was a lady there named Lily who, um, she was 21, she was from Boston, and being 21, at that time, her parents were like, okay, you're getting kind of old, we need to, like, get you married (laughs) off, right? you know, so um, they see this guy that's interested in her, and they're like, oh, yeah, we gotta gotta jump on this, Mm -hmm. like, while it's hot, so they push her to marry him, she gets married to him, and she didn't really know what to expect when she was coming to Oklahoma, and she was from Boston. She was used to, like, parties and the city life and all that. Mm-hmm. So when she got here, she was very um, bored. Like, she didn't really care for what was available at the time in Oklahoma. And she could not get pregnant. So um, the major resented her for that. Mm-hmm. Like, he was very bitter about that and stuff. And because of this rift in their marriage, um, she started attending polo matches and, like, to kind of get out of the house and stuff like that. And she met a businessman at one of these polo matches. Well... He fell in love with her, and she fell in love with him. And he was like, you're already not in love with your husband anymore. Why don't you just leave him? Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know what? That sounds like a really good idea. And he says, well, I'm going to take you back to Boston or to Chicago or somewhere that's, like, fancier than this, whatever. And that's exactly what she wanted to hear. So she tells um, Major Conat that. And when she told him, he he took it well. Like, mm-hmm. he just sat there and kind of was like, okay, you know, whatever. And then she left and it kind of, it was just one of those things that I think it ate at him over time Mm -hmm. and he ended up killing himself in the bathtub in, um, and in that bathtub, it's upstairs, uh, 
a lot of cold spots are felt in that bathroom. Ooh. Yes. And they hear stomping boots and the faucet goes on and off. Uh, television and lights turn on and off on their own. Um, and there was actually, you mentioned that weddings happen mm-hmm. there. So there was a wedding taking place um, and the bride went to use the upstairs restroom. She saw a man upstairs and she was like, I'm not going back up there until he's gone. And they were like, there's nobody up there. So they think maybe it was him. Um, and sometimes this is probably the creepiest thing to me. Uh, people even smell like the decay and rot that you smell when there's a dead body. Ooh. Yeah. That's bizarre. It's very intense. Yeah. Like, I will say that that could also be just a function of how old the fort is and all the buildings. Be. Yeah, but, you yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Also, like, Oklahoma springtime, everything smells like rot a little bit. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So. Not um, to debunk that, but, you know. Right. No, no, no. I'm no, just no. saying. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I I know the smell of death very well, which mm-hmm. sounds like a really weird thing to mm-hmm. say. But, like, from working in the funeral home and doing removals and stuff like that, like, I am very familiar with like what it smells like to walk into a house where someone has been dead for a little bit. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean that smell, it's very distinctive. So I think, I don't know. That's just, it seems weird that someone would identify it as that unless it is someone who's never actually smelled that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like if you've smelled it and you say you smell it, you're probably right. But if you've never smelled it and you might be smelling something else cause it's very distinctive. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, but anyway, um, so Black uh, Bill Stackwell, did they talk about him? Maybe. So he was a prisoner in the old guardhouse, and he accidentally got poisoned. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, he showed up one night. There wasn't a whole lot of information about this. Um, he showed up one night and was accused of murder, mm-hmm. basically. So um, I think that like I, when they told the story, I remember like this guy that died of poison, but they were like, we don't really know. What, yeah. yeah. It was just so, kind of like. It happened? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like, he... And he was imprisoned in the guardhouse. Like, they had these... um, They have these cells in the basement. And while Mm -hmm. he was down there, like, as a prisoner, he got poisoned with strychnine, I believe. How does one just get poisoned? That's what I wanted to know. Like, because they made it sound very, like, accidental. Like, he was just like, hmm, what's in this bottle with the skull and crossbones (laughs) on it? I think I'll drink it. Yeah, because it's not really something that, like, anybody leaves out and then... Right. I mean, did he have it on him? Right. I I have no idea. Did he have some sort of top secret secret that he couldn't share and he had to swallow the poison Probably, before yeah. he was interrogated. His cyanide <laughs> pill. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Makes me think of like a James Wan movie. Um so apparently as he was dying, he um he was very angry about all this and he said they have not seen the last of Bill Stackwell. <laughs> and so now people report hearing someone moaning and groaning like they're dying of being poisoned, <laughs> which I think is a very specific thing that like how many times have you heard someone die of being poisoned right. kind of a thing. Yeah. But, uh, but I'm, I mean, I'm sure it's horrific, but, yeah. but anyway, they say he's moaning and groaning like um, he's dying of being poisoned. Also they hear rattling of chains, hmm. which is very like, Christmas Carol-y. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and the words, help me. So, yeah. That's that would creepy. creep me out. That would creep the help me out. Me out. Yeah. <sighs> that, so, um, back to the POWs. Okay. So, I thought this was um, kind of interesting. The POW section of the cemetery is kept completely separate from the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, it reminds me of the um, episode I did about Elmer McCurdy and how he and Bill Doolin are buried, like, way out mm-hmm. to the uh north and like because it's kind of like these are good people and then over here we have these bad yeah. people that well i think they have to do that mm-hmm. um 
when that you bury POWs because really? of like the Geneva Convention. So you have to be like buried in friendly territory or something like that. Ooh, I didn't or know that. maybe it's not friendly territory. Um, but it's like as part of like, okay, we have a peace now. Yes, okay. these people did die, so we've put them in a special area with their brothers and you know, sort okay. of thing. That makes I sense. I think that might be that makes sense. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so in this cemetery there are at least sixty two Germans and eight Italians. Um, and there was a guy, there's a guy who was buried there, um, named Hans Seifert, who accidentally set himself on fire the day before he was going to be released and died. How does one accidentally set oneself on fire? Just for my further edification and so I don't do it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like, maybe he spontaneously combusted. Maybe, Maybe. like, so that guy that swallowed poison, I feel like maybe there's just somebody that's like... Picking people off. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's one of the other ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so this guy, like, that's just tragic. Like, set yourself on fire like that. Wow. Um, so the other one is Johannes Kunzik. I don't know how to say that. It's German. So um, he was believed by his fellow prisoners to be a traitor. Hmm. So they beat him to death. Oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They beat him to death. Um, he is buried there in that cemetery. His attackers were taken to Kansas. I almost want to say Leavenworth, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were hung there. Oh for wow! Beating him to death. So yeah. But this, so this is my favorite of the ghost stories that I was able to find. At one point, there was a funeral procession for a minister. Did you hear this on the I don't tour? think so. Okay. Or so, maybe I did, but who knows? A storm was brewing while the funeral procession was going on. And there were all these horses and carriages and, like, all that stuff. And during the procession, a bolt of lightning struck and killed one of the horses. Yes! I remember yeah. that one. Okay. So it gets weirder. So, you know, obviously everybody's, like, kind of shaken up. Like, mm-hmm. the lightning bolt has just struck a damn <laughs> horse, like, during a funeral procession. So, you know, people are very close to it and stuff like that. And so they get the horse off the road and they're like, well, we'll deal with it in a little bit. And they get back on the road to go to the funeral and lightning strikes another horse, which is so weird. Like that is, it is a sign. And that's how they took it. They thought this is a sign. Like this is weird. Like this is no good. We need to get this funeral over with. Mm -hmm. And so they did it very quickly and got out of there. But yeah, so lightning killed two horses at one funeral. That's so weird. (laughs) Yeah. Two different lightning bolts. Um, and then this is, this one's kind of creepy. So apparently there was a Buffalo soldier that was killed in a battle nearby and he haunts the cemetery. So this might be the presence we, we had talked about earlier about the cemetery mm-hmm. presence. The, well, there's a couple in oh, there. Okay, so okay. yeah. So Ooh, mine we'll is different. Okay. Yeah. So this guy, um, he is said to haunt the cemetery and his disembodied voice can be heard saying, John, can you get me a drink of water? Hmm. Yikes. That's really specific. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. That is, it, it kind of bothers me because partially it's like, is this guy stuck in the afterlife? Like just thirsty? Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't mean that in a humorous way. I just mean like, that's kind of sad, like mm-hmm. to be stuck somewhere and just be needing something. Yeah. Kind of a thing. For me, it seems more like a scientifically plausible ghost. Not that this mm-hmm. podcast is about the plausibility of these things, but um, you know, like they say that ghosts are repeated energy. So mm-hmm. like just hearing that thing that maybe he said once and like it, keeps repeating because of the yeah, energy yeah, yeah, was yeah. released sort of thing. I don't right. really know the no, science no, no. behind it, but no. I don't know. It just makes it seem more real than when people are like, 
you know, telling you ghost stories Mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, so it got really cold just like it does in all the movies. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. That feels more real to me. No, I agree. I, my favorite thing I've heard in the course of doing this podcast is what, um, Stephanie and Kristen told me about the multiverse theory Mm -hmm. that like when we have those experiences, it's like two universes touching each other Mm -hmm. and this like, it's almost like a veil gets lifted Mm -hmm. and you see that for a second or you hear it and then it just like covers back up which makes sense to me because it could account for like cryptid sightings Mm -hmm. if there's an alternate universe and like physicists subscribe to this some physicists so yeah it's not completely crazy however did i text you the other night when i thought that we that the world had ended no but i mean (laughs) did it end okay so (laughs) i was on facebook start this is how it always starts this is how it always starts so i was on facebook and this sounds so stupid now that i'm saying it out loud um so someone had shared like a twitter thread where this guy was talking about how the world actually ended in 2012 Mm -hmm. apparently there are physicists who actually believe this what yeah so i know it like sent me into a freaking panic like i was like oh my god but then like after i was done reading it all i was like this is horrifying but also it kind of takes the pressure off. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like, it's okay. Yeah. Like it's, 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 well, okay. So there are also people that believe that we are right now in a computer simulation yes. and the longer it goes, the more likely it is that we are actually a computer simulation. That's so weird. Yeah. It, or maybe, like, I don't know. Like, I don't understand the science behind things. Yeah. Like this person, the person that had shared it was like, I believe that it's a simulation within a simulation. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, Oh, I don't, I don't even know. Like, I can't look too closely into stuff like that because it's like, it really messes with my mind and I don't know. I really like multiverse sort of theories and reading about them in fiction. So like, I've been watching uh, his dark materials on HBO. So if you ever read the golden compass and all that, did you like that? I loved it. I did too. This new adaptation. So good. Is it really good? Yeah. Because HBO does really good with series, but it just made me remember like how much I really like the idea of multiple worlds existing and Mm -hmm. like maybe how it's not that hard to do as a writer. I mean, like it's not easy, but Mm -hmm. like when I always think like, Oh, that's way too much. Yeah. Too much to do. Too much work. (laughs) Too much work. I'm going to set my book in the contemporary time period right here in Oklahoma. It's fine. I'm done. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I can relate to that so much. I was, I was in my car last night and I noticed that I had two koozies in there. One of them has Bigfoot on it and the other one has is from Billy Bob's in Texas. And I was like, I was holding them and I was looking at them and I was like, it's really like, the, these are the two sides of my personality. Yeah. Like it's like Bigfoot and then a country honky tonk bar. Yeah. yeah. You belong to very specific demographics. I do. I do. <laughs> Facebook can target me very easily right. with ads. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. So yeah. So do you have any other ghost stories about the fort? I do. So I will say like when you go on this tour, if you choose to, I recommend everybody does. It's really affordable. And I mm-hmm. think the hardest thing get is the, getting out right to um, El Reno, which it's mm-hmm. not like that far of a drive. But when I did go, um, I remember my GPS in my phone not being great about it. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, like be aware of that because it is on like smaller country roads and it's not like a fort that's um, you know, being used for military purposes today. So if you're expecting to go out there and it for it to look like Tinker Air Force Base, that is not the case at all. <laughs> no. Um, look but, up some pictures of it before yeah. you go so you kind of know what to expect. Yeah. Like, so it's really cool out there. You go in and you start, I think it's basically in like the gift shop. And when I went, there was a group of professional ghost hunters who had worked with TAPS before. Um, so that was really interesting. And they gave like really specific stories. I'll say up front that we didn't see anything on this tour. It might have been Kristen and Stephanie. 
It may have been. Yeah. It might have been them. That's funny. So, yeah, that is that's really weird. <laughs> Another tangential point in this universal crossing. That's right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that um, if I were a ghost, I wouldn't show up on any ghost tours just to piss off like yeah. the people that had paid. And then like all the mm-hmm. people that worked there, like as soon as everybody left, like, haha, screw you. Exactly. I'm here now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's I, would what I would do that do. too. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm going to be quiet while these investigators are here. And right. then I'm going to make your life hell. <laughs> So, but we did hear a lot of stories. So, like, if you do choose to go, wear walking shoes. It's not, like, the most walking you'll ever do. But, like, you do start inside. You go outside. You walk around different parts of the property. You go into the chapel. You go to the cemetery. Um, So, there's a lot of walking. But we heard a story. And I'm trying to remember if they gave... I think they gave names, but I'm terrible with names. Which is... Same. I used to teach. And, like, all my students, I'm sorry, but I... I know you by, like, the t-shirts you wore and the Mm -hmm. faces you make when I assigned homework. I don't know your name. Yeah, Um, yeah, I just can't. Um, But we did hear the story about uh, the general stomping up and down stairs Mm -hmm. and people hearing that. Um, We heard something about the chapel. Um, I will say that the chapel is, like, pretty cute and pretty small. So if you want, like, a fun wedding, go get married Mm -hmm. there and then go take everybody to an onion burger restaurant afterwards. Or have onion burgers at your wedding. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Your dress is going to smell terrible. But, you know. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) I hadn't thought about that That, part of it. That scent does not leave the fabric. No, it doesn't. Um. (laughs) It doesn't. Or your skin. Right. (laughs) Which you probably don't want on your honeymoon. No. You know. Mm. No. Don't listen to me. Listen yeah. to Marissa. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, it's really cool. You walk around. But my favorite part was the cemetery for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Marnie mentioned the Buffalo Soldier asking John for a drink of water. But there's also um, a presence that some... I think some people refer to her as the angel. And, Ooh. like, they see her up in the trees of the cemetery. She's just kind of like guarding it. Um, I believe, and I could be, this could be me getting a bunch of stories confused in my brain. I think that's the problem with like binge reading ghost stories and like Mm -hmm. seeking them out is that your brain is just like puts everything together into one mega story. Um, But I believe she was a native American woman uh, who maybe had a relation. She might be buried there, but she might've been the woman okay, that the you wife. mentioned. Yeah. yeah the, okay. the wife of what's his face. Yeah. You know, again, terrible. With the scout. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I mean, they talk about her and how a lot of people will feel her hand on her, their shoulder or, you know, feel very Ooh, like spooky, but kind of like in a, a, a relaxing sort of yeah. reassuring sort of way. Like, yeah. you know, don't cry this sort of thing. So Yikes. I did not experience that. But what I did do is uh, one of the German POWs that is buried there, his name is Otto. And I don't know if this story is true or if it's just something they tell for like the ghost tour. Who knows? Um, The thing is that um, teens are terrible. Sorry to any teenagers listening, but like we were teens once and we were absolutely awful. I was horrible. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so teens do terrible things, but I will say, I think that the terribleness like peaked in the seventies and now like Mm. the terribleness is just boring people being bullies on Instagram. So like, yeah, I think, but in the seventies, less less headstones getting stolen. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Otto was grave robbed. Mm -hmm. Um, they dug up his body and took his skull. That's what. The story is. And so if you go on the tour, at least when I went on the tour, um, if you kissed Otto's headstone, you got a free button that says, I survived <laughs> the Ghosts of Fort Reno tour. Which, so of course, I did it. Like, yeah. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I have any bad energy that had followed me since then. I mean, like, just the normal amount of bad energy right, just yeah. that I bring into my life on yeah. a daily basis. But not any from Otto. Yeah, I, I feel like Otto was like, whatever. You know, yeah. maybe this was just, you know, 
a cool thing for him to do in the afterlife. You yeah. Know? Give out yeah. buttons. You know, I was watching, um, I don't know, have you ever watched Josh Gates shows like uh, Destination Truth or Expedition Unknown or anything yes. like that? Okay. It's been a long time though. So I was, they're on Hulu, uh, Expedition Unknown is, and I was watching the vampire one uh, the other night and there was um, this guy who had been, this was very, very recent in Romania. He was dug up and like. All kinds of horrible stuff was done to his body. I think they boiled his heart and like ate it or something like that. Like well, it was, sure. yeah. I mean, you have to cook it, was, it before you eat yeah, it. Yeah, it was something. I don't know if it actually got eaten, but I think it did. So anyway, this all happened, and I'm like sitting there watching it, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm sure that my family would disagree. Like I'm sure they would not be okay with it. But like if I was dead and somebody dug me up as a vampire, like I, I if if there's an afterlife, I'd be excited because I'd be like. Wow. Like, I'm going to be forever known as the vampire mm-hmm. of uh, 12th Street. Like, <laughs> you know, like, that's, like, basically me now. So, and my mom was like, no, though, I don't want anyone to dig you up. Like, that's not, that's not <laughs> That's pleasant. not how we're doing this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do not set that up, Marnie. <laughs> yeah. So, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, I uh, looked up the historical spirit tours. They return this spring. The admission rates are adults $15, seniors and military 10 and children are seven. So um, you can call to reserve your spot today. And the first one it looks like is May 16th, mm-hmm. then June 20th, July 18th, August 15th, October 10th and October 24th. And the October spirit tours include trick-or-treat for kids. Ooh. It's like, why can't fun. I trick-or-treat? <laughs> yeah, I want like, the candy. I want candy, too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyway. But, yeah. I think that that's about all I've got for you guys about Fort Reno. It's a pretty... There's so much more history that we just barely scratched the surface yeah. of. Um, it's crazy. Like, go look it up. Look up their the fortreno.org website and go read about it. But, um, but yeah. So... I do have uh, a one funny thing to say is, um, did, you, did you have a good Christmas, Marissa? I mean, it certainly was December the 25th. Yeah, know? it certainly was. Yeah. <laughs> so um, in the vein of things certainly being what they are, uh, I, on Christmas, got to explain um, OK Boomer to a group of boomers. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. How did they take it? Uh, one of them thought it was very funny. The others, not so much. Yeah. They did not take it well. Yeah. I can, not. I can imagine. Yeah. And I was, I was trying to explain it and it, it just didn't, it was not, <laughs> a fun time was not had by all. No, no. <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite thing about the OK Boomer thing is that just living in Oklahoma, you know that there's somebody mm-hmm. who's an OU fan who had the, like the Instagram handle or the Twitter handle OK Boomer, yep. like as in Boomer Sooner. Oh yeah. And now they're like, well, shit. <laughs> or, or they're going to be able to sell it. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So that would be that good for them if yeah. they if they do uh the funny thing about it is um so my aunt's dog's name is boomer Mm -hmm. and he comes up to my aunt's workplace a lot my mom works there and she was playing with him the other day and um he did something he was being really cute and she was like well i gotta go back to work and she looked at him and she said okay boomer and she (laughs) said she just started laughing like she was like oh my god this is really funny Um, but yeah so so that's my funny funny christmas story that i have for you guys but that's about (laughs) it so do you want to talk a little bit about um the uh 90 day novel planner yeah for sure so uh if you are a writer and 
you struggle with keeping like your outlining, your notes, your story inspiration all in one place, as well as like finding ways to track your writing. Because um, I'm super great at just, you know, like having a million tabs open all the time and like not being able to find what I need. So that's why I created the 90 day novel planner. So it's got a spot for you to outline your story using the three act structure as well as like chapter breakdowns. Uh, There's a place for you to sketch out your characters where you can paste in photos. There's a mood board section where you can paste in images that, you know, like really tell your story. Uh, But then there's also like 90 days worth of journaling pages and calendar trackers. So you can track your writing habit, you can track how much you've written, you can, um, you know, basically do whatever it is you need to do in order to, you know, write your book. That's really, really, really mm-hmm. cool. I really, I, I got a copy. I love mm-hmm. it. Like, I'm really excited about it. And Marissa's working on a Medium project right now, doing some personal essays on Medium. So Yeah, so I'll be writing, like, just random personal essays about, like, my life, uh, little memories I have. Some of them are going to be pretty Oklahoma-centric since I grew up here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of them will be, like, oh, God, elementary school was a nightmare. Some of them are, you know. (laughs) Same. (laughs) So it's just about, like, little things that have happened and me kind of... um, the, 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 The reason for it is that... Uh, I wanted to state definitively who I am and not like let anybody else tell me my story anymore sort of thing. Oh, I like that. I really, really like that. Oh my God. I love that so much. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah. So Marissa's got a lot of exciting stuff going on. So I'm also excited to say that the third Irioki short read is coming out on January 17th. What? Yes. It's so close. Yes, it is. It is. (laughs) Believe me, I feel it breathing down the back of my neck. So it's called The Fairchild Wolf and it is kind of like um, probably one of the weirdest things I've ever written. Um, Basically, it's about a piece of taxidermy that is not entirely dead. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. So it's very fun. I'm very excited about it. Um, You can find it on Amazon. Look for The Fairchild Wolf. Okay. Yeah. So so anyway, uh, follow the podcast Instagram at Irioki. Facebook is the same. Uh, Marissa's is at the Marissa Mohi mm-hmm. on Instagram and Marissa Mohi on Facebook. And join the Facebook group. Um, and if you want to follow my writing, uh, it's at Scrappy Little Thing on Instagram for my writing. Marnie Vinge on Facebook for horror stories, and then the Dallas Blake Facebook page for romance novels. Um, you got anything else? No, I don't think so. I think that's it. All yeah, right, we did it. Yes, y'all stay spooky. <laughs>